All right. Hey, can we, can we say a word of prayer? Because I, I, I believe, I, and God is always speaking. You guys know that, right? God is always speaking. I want us to be able to hear what God wants to say to us today. Lord, you are a good God. And we're just, we're just declaring that again today. Uh, so, Lord, we ask that you would uh, mold us and shape us uh, here even in, in our worship as we, we had uh, time before. But, Lord, in, in your word as we just uh, apply your truths, God, uh, thanks for allowing us to be here together. Thanks for the opportunity to meet new friends and, 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 um, and be a part of a growing community that, that just, just wants to lift you up and invest in others. So, Lord, um, it's so fun to be a part of what you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're, we are going to talk about the Bible, and we are going to talk about Jesus. But first, I want to talk about something that I, I do genuinely. I mean, I love the Bible and Jesus too, but something I do genuinely love, another thing I love, it's a good steak. Any steak eaters in here, right? We got, we got some steak. Okay. And I'm not, when I say steak eater, I mean like not just any steak, but, but you, anybody love like a, a, a quality piece of perfectly cooked meat that's nice and thick and juicy, not too tough, not too blood, just a, a sweet spot of, you know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody's like, give me some breakfast steaks right now, right? Ooh, I love some steaks. But here's the truth. I haven't always loved steak. Okay, I haven't always loved steak. I remember being a kid, a little kid, and you know how it goes. Okay, so I was one of, uh, growing up, I had uh, three siblings growing up in the house with me and and my two parents, we got six of us, okay? So if my parents were going to splurge and, and buy steaks, when we were little, they bought two steaks and a bunch of hot dogs, right? Like that's how, right? that's how growing up works. So, so you grow up, and, and let's be honest, it's not just because they were withholding, right? When you're little, you got those tiny little baby teeth, you can't get, like, hot dogs, are, you prefer them, right? Well, then we get to the point where we're like all of a sudden realizing, we're old enough, we realize like, wait a second, why do we keep eating hot dogs when mom and dad are eating steaks? Like, I want to try this steak thing out. Well, here's the deal. So now, then we move to the phase where we're like, okay, fine, they're going to buy steaks for everybody. Well, listen, like we didn't grow up, uh, we didn't have like tons of, of, of money. So like if, if mom and dad are going to the grocery store to buy steaks for the whole family, some of you with big families, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're not going for those top shelf steaks, are you? No, you're going for the, please buy these, they expire in an hour and a half, right? You're going for those steaks, right? And so that's, as a kid growing up, like, that's the kind of steaks that I grew up in. And, 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 and I know my parents and, and they're cooking and they did their best, but let's be honest, I'm intimidated to cooking a good steak, you know what I mean? Like, because I don't want to mess it up. And I'm just, I'm not saying the steaks were cooked poorly, but I just, I have vivid memories of being a child and chewing the same bite of steak for like a half an hour. Anybody else? Anybody else have, like, okay, right? Like, and so I don't know if it was my parents didn't know how to cook it or if, like, it's just that, you know, not top shelf, bottom shelf, like, back shelf kind of steaks that I'm eating. I don't know what it is. But for the longest time growing up, I thought I didn't really care for steak, right? So you do that a couple times, and you're like, actually, mom and dad, let's go back to the hot dogs, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need that in my life right now. And so there was a season where I would have said, I don't really love steak, Right? Why? Because I never had a good steak. And then one day comes along where we go out to dinner. <laughs> it was probably on somebody else's dime. I don't know. But anyway, uh, we went out to dinner and like we're getting, oh, we're getting the good stuff. We're going to the good restaurant, getting good steak. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, let's see. I, this is going to be embarrassing if I, if I spit out, if I chew this for an hour and then put it in cloth napkin. Oh, that's in gross. Like, 
here we go. But then you take that first bite, like, oh, that's, I've, I've, never, I've never had that before. Like, I thought I'd had steak, but this is not what mom and dad fed me, right? Right? Anybody else have a similar experience? Can you, can you, okay, okay, I'm not alone, right? You go, whoa, now this is what steak's supposed to be. <laughs> now, I enjoy good steak. But I want you to imagine, okay, let's, let's say that you are going to go out with your friends and you're going to go out for steak. And, and, and you're going to, a special occasion, you're going to spare no expense. You're actually researching in town who serves the best steak. You don't care where it is or how much it is, you're going there. So you go to this real nice place, got the whole cloth, everything. You're paying way too much money, but you're like, I want to have that good steak. You're celebrating, you're there with all your friends. And they bring it out to you like, yeah, I've been waiting for this all week. I've been waiting for it. And you cut into it and it's like, like you order it medium and you cut into it and it's like gray all the way through. And you're just like, oh. I don't want to be a complainer, but I paid too much for a gray steak, okay? Like I, so, excuse me, I, I, this is supposed to be medium. You cut through it, or you cut through it, right? And you're like, I don't think that's medium. Oh, we're so sorry, so sorry. We'll bring you out another one. And they bring you out another one, and it came out real quick. You're like, wow, that was so fast. And then you cut into it, and you realize how come it was so fast. You're like, whoa, this is... Was that cow still alive when I ordered this like a few minutes ago? Like, what? Like, there's, it's, everything's red, and you're like, God, ah, this is scary. You know, Beth, she used to work in restaurants. There was, there was, a, there was one guy who used to come in to the restaurant that she worked at. She, he would order the steak. Can you cook it for eight seconds on each side? Oh, oh. Okay, that's gross. That's gross, right? But seriously, now you order this, and now it's like not cooked enough. You're like, ah. So you go to have it cooked back, and they bring it back, and then they overcompensate it again, and you're like, okay, now I'm just going to eat burnt steak. Like, that's all there is to it. I'm not going to complain, and, but you do, right? And then, so you're like, okay, we're going to try it next week. That didn't work, okay? I wanted a steak. I was craving a steak. I didn't really get a good steak, so we're going to try another restaurant. I don't have to go back to that place. I still believe in steak. So, um, so you go, okay, this is not the fanciest place, but I heard, I heard some people say this place, it's, it's a little divier, like it's not quite the same like, environment, but I heard that their steak's better than the, the fancy one. Anyway, let's go here, we'll get a steak. And you go there, and this is this beautiful looking steak, right? It looks amazing. And you're like, this is the one. So you cut it in, oh, it's cooked perfect, like everything. You cut it, you look at it, oh, that's exactly the way I like it. You, you stick that fork into your mouth, and as you start to chew, you realize there's a string of something that's in your mouth and then still connected to your meat. And instantly, ah, and you look down and there's like a couple other like hairs curled around the corner of your steak. And you ask this, hey, hey, oh, I'm going to keep it in. I'm going to keep it in. But hey, can I, there's some hair on my steak. And the server looks at you and goes, not anymore. <laughs> now, there's some of you who, if you'd experienced that, those two experiences back to back in two different weekends, some of you'd be like, that's it. I just don't need steak in my life, right? Like, I'm giving up. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm not eating steak anymore. There's some of you, though, that regardless of the hardships that you face, you would not lose faith in steak, right? 
It may be hard to get, and you may not be served well, or it may not be cooked well, but I believe deep in my soul that there is a steak that will keep me coming back for more, right? Um, <laughs> bottom line is this, like, just because the steak is not served well, or just because it's not prepared well, doesn't mean that that life-changing steak doesn't exist. You guys know where I'm heading, don't you? You see, there's a lot of people, and maybe you've been there, maybe you're still kind of there. Like, you've had some variation of Jesus. Some of you had a little kid version of Jesus. It was real chewy and didn't really get the job done, right? It was easy to walk away from. Some of us, we've had this overcooked version of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like the overcooked version, the kind that's like so dry and lifeless that the only thing left to do with it is to use it to beat somebody into control. (laughs) You see, others of us, we've experienced like this, this undercooked Jesus, this, this Jesus that is so weak and mushy that it has no substance to it whatsoever. And then we come to a place in life and we go, I guess this Jesus thing isn't for me. Listen, hey, if it's consistently being served to you very poorly, you don't have to stay there. And if you're getting some overcooked or undercooked version of Jesus, you don't have to keep going to that well, but that doesn't mean that there is not a real Jesus who, if you taste, you will see that God is good. You know, um, the real thing the real thing, I mean, I, I've seen it in people happen many times before, especially the little kid version. I love this illustration, the little kid one. Right? Have you ever seen somebody who really, like, really, the, the light bulb went on for him? Like, I, I've been around church, I've been around Jesus, I've been around this thing, but then all of a sudden the light bulb went on. All of a sudden they took a bite of something that was real. All of a sudden they went, oh, <laughs> I get it, Jesus. Okay, now I'm... Now I'm seeing, see, here's the deal, friends. We live in a community. We live in a society. We live in a world who has largely experienced more overcooked Jesus and undercooked Jesus than the real thing. And so maybe you're still there. You're you're having a hard time with this whole religion thing, this whole Christianity thing. Or maybe you're tasting and you're seeing and you know that God is good, but I want to tell you something. I want to encourage you something. When you encounter people who are turned off by the gospel, don't, don't, don't rule them out. Just know they've probably been served something other than what you've been served. You know, here's, here's the thing. Galatians chapter 5 or 6, it's the verse that's, that's on here, it says faith and love. Galatians chapter 5 or 6, See, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter, the letter's called Galatians, this letter to this church, and, and in this letter, he's addressing an issue. You know what the issue was? 
that they were following an overcooked Jesus. See, we talked about this last week. There was this, this built-up religion, this man's effort to try to, to, to do what we can to get to God when Jesus has already made a way for us. And there was this overcooked religion that, that, that had a taste of, of control and had a taste of lifelessness to it. And Paul simply says this. In, in Christ Jesus, all this religious bickering and arguing, none of it has any value. In Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. So I want to take just a couple moments to talk about faith and love. If Paul says, like, we so often get caught up on all these side peripheral things, but here's where we, we come down to, here's what, it, what, what grounds us, is, is faith and love. We ought to know a little bit, at least a little bit, about what this faith and love is he's talking about, right? So let me, let me, let me, just, let me just simplify this here a little bit. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 11. Now, faith, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for, assurance about what we don't see. Confidence and assurance. Sometimes that can feel hard, doesn't it? Right? Does that mean that I have to have all the answers? Does that mean in order to have faith, I, I, I have to have the complete elimination of any kind of doubt in any capacity? Again, let's stick to the basics here. Faith in what? Faith in the gospel. You know, the word gospel just means good news, right? It's the story of Jesus. So let me just really break it down real simple. So we're all playing from the same level playing field here. This is where our faith lies. It lies in the story of God. It still blows my mind. Every time I talk about it, every time I think about it, it just blows my mind that God created the entire universe with one exclusive purpose, to put mankind on it to be in relationship with us. What's the point of the depth of the universe? I don't know, except it was to house us. <laughs> that God might be in relationship with us. And then, then we, mankind, will th throw us all in there together. We rebelled against God. You're like, when did I rebel against God? Well, remember that time when like the first words that you learned were mine and no, right? <laughs> like this, this sin thing, this rebellion, this pride, this selfishness, that thinking that I'm my own God is rooted in us from the time we can begin to speak and earlier. And that sin, the Bible says, separates us from God. Not because God's kicking us to the curb. Not because God is disapproving and, 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 and hates us now because we can't do what he asked. But God who loves us is so holy. He's so perfect. He's so uncompromisingly pure that he can't, his presence in this very same area as us, fallen mankind, prideful mankind, we would just melt and cease to exist in his presence. But the whole point was to be in relationship with us. And so he knows that. And so what does he do? John 3.16. It's the verse that like all of Christendom has deemed the verse, right? Because it's a good one. 
For God so loved, I love the so in there, for God so loved, so loved the world that he gave his one only son, that he sent Jesus to pay the price. Like God is gracious and merciful. We love talking about that. But we also have to recognize that God is just, is he not? And a just God has to deal with sin. He doesn't just pretend it's not there. He has to deal with it. And the way that he chose to deal with it, because he knew that you and I can't pay the penalty for our own sin. He says the penalty of our sin is death. And if the penalty of our sin is death, we can't, we can't pay that penalty and live to have relationship with God after that, can we? No. And so he sent Jesus, his one and only son. That's what the whole John 3.16 is about. He sent Jesus, his one and only son, to do this, to live a perfect life and then die, taking the penalty for my sin. So this is what that means. So now when God looks at me, he doesn't see a sinner. Sure, I'm a sinner. I, I, I admit, any, any other sinners in the room? All right, anybody? All right, there we go. There's my sinner friends. All right, so me, I'm a sinner. I mess up. But he sees me and he sees my brokenness, but instead of seeing my sin, this is what he sees. He's like, well, that's already been paid for. You've already been punished for that. My kids, sometimes they don't listen when I talk to them. Anybody else's kids? Sometimes I tell them to clean their room and it gets worse. How does that even happen, right? Like, like sometimes like, they're told to do one thing and they do the opposite and then there's consequences, right? But you know what? Once they've been grounded and they're now ungrounded, I don't see them as the lawbreaker forever, do I? I I'm not getting around, oh, but you, did, you didn't clean your room when I said to. I will never love you again, right? Like that's, that's not how that works. You see, the punishment has already been paid. And now there's us and God, and we go back into what God originally created, but we have to receive it. We have to say, God, I trust you. I put my, here where we go back to, to Paul, I put my faith in you. This is what faith requires. Faith says that I, I trust that Jesus is the son of God and that in him I'll have life forever with Jesus. That's it. That's it. Well, what if I don't understand all that the Bible says? That's okay. What if I don't even understand why what you just said makes any sense? I'm kind of with you still. The gospel is still a mystery to me. I don't exactly, I know how it works, but I don't exactly know how it works. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, never mind, I'll, I'll get off the topic. All right. But faith is this, that Jesus is the way. Now, now, now here's the deal. Here's something that's interesting to me. Faith is required for salvation. If we want to be in relationship with God, relation with God, the fullness of all that he has, if we want that for us in our lives and, and, and the peace and the fullness and all that Jesus says that he came that we could be able to experience, do we have to have everything figured out? Absolutely not. Right? This, the The... The overbearing, the, what are the words? Overcooked. The overcooked Jesus says, here's all the rules. There's no life in this. Let me beat you into control. The undercooked Jesus says, oh, you know what? You just do whatever you want to do. Just, hey, whatever feels nice for you. But you know, when you're in that position, when you're in that state, like what use is that other than just like a feel good, like comfort blankie? Here, let me give you an example. 
let's say all of a sudden in the middle of the night, God forbid this will ever happen, but in the middle of the night, you wake up and your bedroom is on fire. Ooh, that'd be scary, right? Okay, you, you have a second story room, whether it's a two-story house or you got an apartment, you're way up high and you can't jump out the window. Flames are going everywhere. Flames are, 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 are coming in through your bedroom door and you're like, I don't know, I have nowhere to go. I'm stuck, I'm trapped. But the fire has been raging. Now there's a hole in your ceiling, burnt in the ceiling and a, and a, and a fire, fireman says, I'm coming in and he jumps down. All right, and what does he say? He says, hey, you're just fine right here. You don't need to go anywhere. You're going to be safe. Hey, live your best life now, and we'll just see what happens. <laughs> see, there, there is a Jesus, there is a version of Jesus in our culture that says if we say anything true, or if we say that anyone ought to change, or we say if there's anything, any difference, and that's unloving. That's false. Unloving would just say, hey, I see that, in, that your life is on fire, and if you don't move, you're going down with it. So here's this Jesus, John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, I've come to you to have life and have it to the full. But he also says in John 14.6 that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. And so here, we, 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 our society in the world wants to lean one on this overcooked version of all rules and all harsh and no life, or we swing to the opposite ex- example, ox- opposite extreme, and be like, hey, don't even worry about anything. Don't you, you, just, you just live your life, and you just, like, you just sing Jesus loves me every once in a while, and everything's going to be okay. But truth of the matter is, listen, for those who know they're in a burning building, they don't want to be told you're fine. Amen. If my God doesn't have answers, why serve a God at all? If my God is just going to beat me into control, I'm not really interested in that either. So where are we left? There is a God who says these things. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to you to have life, you to have it to the fullest. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You see, the fireman in that, in that room with you there, he doesn't say, hey, you're just going to be fine. He says, I know the way out. <laughs> and he might say, hold on tight because we're going up through the roof. Or maybe he says, I know all you see is the flames coming through the door, but I know there's a way of escape, so it's going to be hot. Throw the blanket over you. Close your eyes and run. You'll be on the other side in a moment, but just follow me. Jesus doesn't promise, here's another false Jesus. Jesus doesn't promise that all your problems will go away. He doesn't. It's, that's more fun to preach, I'll be honest. It's, if I can get up and say, man, follow Jesus and have joy and peace and everything is going to be wonderful. He, Jesus never says, in fact, he says the opposite. He says, in this world, you're going to have troubles. In this world, you're going to have hard times. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He's like, your world's on fire. Just turn on the news. Your world is on fire. When you get more personal, my life is on fire. Just stop and look. <laughs> Our lives are on fire. I need a God who loves me 
who knows the way to life, who I will trust. So when Paul says it's faith, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Let me tell you what this, the, the root of this faith is. is just trusting in Jesus. Do you trust Jesus is the way? You don't need to know all the answers. You don't need to preach a sermon, but do you trust that Jesus is the way? Like, listen, I, I, I think about the, the thief on the cross there. Jesus was crucified. There's other criminals there with him, and they didn't know much anything about Jesus, and yet they saw the Son of God, and one of them says, you're the real deal. He didn't have all the answers. He probably had more questions than anything, but he's like, I don't know why you're hanging on the cross, but you are the son of God. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So now here's the deal. Sometimes I think it's like, I don't know everything, so I can't take that first step of faith. You know what's something that's really interesting that I found as you read through the gospels, either Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, any of the four tellings of the gospels, this is what I find very, very intriguing to me is that Jesus, especially in, in, in John, you notice this, right in the first couple chapters, John calls his 12, right? He definitely wouldn't call them apostles at that time, but 12 young mess of young men. Hey, guys, you want to come follow me? And they're like, you mean leave my job and be away from my family at extended periods of time and, and kind of risk being known, associated with some kind of weird outcast? Like, do you, is that what you're asking? And he's like, yeah. They're like, sure. Okay. And so they go follow him. That takes faith, doesn't it? Like that takes some pretty substantial faith. And then in chapter three, Jesus does his first miracle. They go to a a wedding and he turns his water into wine and a lot of you know the story or whatever. And then it says, read it. At the end of John chapter three, there's this verse that says, and then they put their faith in him. Why are they following a guy they don't have any faith in? Isn't that interesting? And then they continue to go with Jesus, and then they're doing stuff like doing miracles. They're like preaching, and miracles are happening, supernatural, this and that, and and all these things. And then they run into a situation, and Jesus says what? Oh, you have little faith. You see, I think the problem is we think we either have faith or we don't. We do have to have it. We have to have faith. But listen, faith is something that grows. Right? Right? Look at, look at the Gospels. Look at the life of the disciples. Look at the ones who are closest to Jesus. Faith is something that grows. What, what Paul, when Paul says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love, here's the first step of faith, saying, Jesus, I trust that you're the Son of God and that you're the way to life. It's the first step of faith. Jesus, I trust that you're from God and I trust that you're the way to life. Oh, I don't really know. I don't understand all the things about the Bible. We'll get there. Oh, I don't really know how to pray. We'll get there. I don't have like this huge faith. I've still got a lot of doubts. We'll get there. Do you trust that Jesus is the Son of God and He's the only way to life? There's a story of this rich young guy. He had everything going for him. He wants to know, how do I get to eternal life? Jesus said, sell everything, give it away to the poor, and come follow me. Okay, now listen, don't worry. I'm not going to make a sell. Like, hey, give everything to the church, and then you can really have your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. See, but Jesus knew what that one guy's issue was. He wasn't ready to let go. Trusting in Jesus means simply this. It's not easy, but it's simple. That you say, God, I'm trusting you to the point. I'm taking control, my hands off of control of my life. 
like the 12 did. They didn't know all the answers. They didn't know fully who he was. They didn't understand all the prophecies and how they fit and who this Jesus was. They just said, hey, uh, Jesus, I'm going to take my hands off control of my life, and I'm going to trust you that you're the way to life. This is the faith that he's talking about. And then he says this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I want to go back to John 3.16. That, that, that's a good one, isn't it? John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Here's something interesting. For all, my, for all my Christian friends in here, we know that's like our, our like flagship verse for all of Christendom, right? And we know we're supposed to be like Christ-like. And we know we're supposed to be like God. But what if we took, what if our approach to the Christian life was this? What if we said, well, if this is what God is like, this is what I want to be like. What if we said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to insert myself into this. If I'm going to think like God and be like God, what if I, what if I did this? For I so love the world that I gave my one and only life so that anyone who believed in Jesus might have eternal life. What if I took on the position of, not the position of God, what if I took on the, the, the character of God to the point where I said, you know what, Jesus says I loved the whole world, and then he said, come follow me. What if I said, you know what, it is my mission. This is not just our salvation verse. What if this is our calling verse, that God has called me to so love the world that I would give my one and only life so that others might come into the faith. So that others might taste and see that God is good. So that others might experience a Jesus that's not this, this overcooked, religious, hard, lifeless Jesus. That's not this, this super soft and whimsy, wimpy and, and flimsical uh, Jesus lacking substance. But that they would know something that is rich and full. Am I willing to say, for, God, for I so loved the world that is before me. So I so loved my neighborhood. For I so loved my, my workplace. So I so loved my family that I would give my one and only life. <laughs> so that they might know him too. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Step one, faith believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that he's the only way to life. Step two, love people. It's so simple. The loving people part is really hard, but it's so simple. And I just... You know, we, we do the family fest. That's why we do the family fest, to love people, right? To love families. And we want to give them a good day. We also know that the best day they could ever have, anybody could ever have, is to meet Jesus. Right? We're not trying to raise our numbers. We're just we're trying to introduce people to a God who loves them. You know, long before Jesus ever came, David, the, the, the psalmist, King David, the David and Goliath guy, David says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I'm going to have uh, keys come here. You know, for those of you who are in here, maybe you, those of you who like, you, you've been around religious settings. Maybe, maybe you've been around, but, but you've, if it came down to it, why do you go to church? Why are you here today? What, 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 are you, what is it that you're looking for? The truth of the matter is, 
right now, you've never come to a point where you've said, you know what, Jesus, I'm believing in you. And not just I'm believing you, but I'm trusting that you're going to lead to life. You see, so often we try to add other things to our faith. Or we try to add faith to our life, right? Like, I'm going to do my thing and then maybe get a little Jesus over here. You know what? Usually what you're going to end up with is is some half-cooked version of who Jesus is. But this is his call. You want the real thing? And here's the problem. You can get cheap meat anywhere, can't you? (laughs) The real stuff costs something. The reality of the fact that the first time I ever had a good steak was at an expensive restaurant that cost more than I'm usually willing to pay tells you that the, the cheap stuff isn't even worth having in the first place. Friends, if the Jesus you've experienced doesn't satisfy I'm going to argue he's a different Jesus than I know. If if, if the God you've been chasing seems elusive, he's probably a version, it's probably a version of God that you'd be better off without. But just because it's never been served well, Just because it hasn't ever been prepared or just because you've never seen something real doesn't mean that there's not a God that loves you so much. And I said it costs a lot, and I'll tell you what it costs. You don't have to put any dollars on the line. But it's going to cost you your life. The difference between the 12 disciples later become the 12 apostles, the ones who, who are the reason that we're sitting in this church right now because they were so convinced in who Jesus was, they were so convinced that God was the, that Jesus is the Son of God, so convinced that they were gonna, they were gonna follow him all the way to the grave. It's because they tasted something that was real. So I wanna invite you Today, if you've danced around the whole religion thing, the whole spiritual thing, you, you, you've been around all that kind of stuff, and it's, it's, it's left you unsatisfied, can I, can I introduce to you the concept that maybe we've never tasted in the real God, the God that, that we experience once we let go of our own life? Once we let go of control? We say, God, I'm not, I'm not going to add you to my values. God, I'm going to rewire my life around who you are. God, whatever you say, I'm going to do it. God, I'm saying yes before I even know what the answer is. God, I have faith to know that you are the son of God and you lead to truth. I just don't know where you're taking me yet. It's, it, it's this kind of faith that's going to make you go, oh, yeah, I'm coming back for more of that. See, there's a Jesus that satisfies the soul. There is a God that we can't live without. And he loves you. Would you taste and see? The Lord is good.
Father God, I pray. God, I ask that those of us who are gathered here today, we would hear not my voice, but yours. Not some concocted version of of spirituality to control. Not some watered-down version of spiritual life that, 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 that has no truth in it. But the real you. God, we want something genuine. We're asking for something authentic. Something that's worth giving everything for. Because we know you're so good. Father, forgive us, those who have been in the faith for a while. God, forgive us for getting caught up on the peripheral on the things that don't matter so much, forgive us for losing sight of loving others because of our own issues. And Father, thank you for this reminder that the only thing that really counts is faith expressing itself in love. So my prayer today is for two. For those who just need a, a refocus on loving. We, we, we've maybe just kind of gotten distracted from the, from the main goal of, of, of loving you and loving others. God, may, we, may our hearts be rekindled with your passion to love one another. Both here, brothers and sisters in Christ, and to love one another. Those in our, our neighborhoods, in our, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families. Father, I also pray for my friends who are here in this room watching online. Who hear the sound of my voice, but they know that the faith that they've tasted has not left them desiring anymore. For those who are burnt out on religion, burnt out on the Jesus thing, Father, I pray that they would experience you and hear your voice in such a way that it is undeniably God. Father, forgive us for making it so complicated. May we be a people who never forget that in Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. As we continue here with our heads bowed, eyes closed, and just this attitude of prayer, I just I want to take a moment and just ask this. If, if today you want to make a decision, you want to make a decision, hey, I want to, I want to follow Jesus. Let's not sign up for a church or a program. No, no. But today I'm ready. I'm going to trust that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the way to life. Maybe it's a, a prayer you've never prayed before. Or maybe you've prayed it a thousand times, but it was, it was never real. It was always just this sales pitch. But today you're like, no, I wanna, I'm letting go of control of my own life. And today I'm choosing to trust Jesus. The Bible says it's simple, that all you got to do is ask. And we're not going to make a big ordeal out of it. But I, I want to know 
if you're ready to make that commitment today, if we would like to be able to just pray for you just right there from your seat. And so if, if you're ready to make that decision, can I ask you to do one thing? Can you just, while everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed, can you just slip up your hand real quick just so we know we can pray for you? Is there anybody in here today say, man, I'm ready to make that decision to follow Jesus? Awesome, thank you. Thank you, I see that hand. Anyone else just say, you slipped up that hand real quick long enough for me to see so we can pray for you? I'm ready to, I'm ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. All right, thank you, thank you. You can put it back down. Or if you're watching online, Hey, right there in your own home, you can pray and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm making this commitment for real. God, I just want you. I want something genuine. I'm done with the fake. Can we pray this prayer together? For some, will just be a renewal and a reminder. For others, it may be for the first time. But can we, can we all pray this prayer? Can you just repeat after me as we pray this prayer together? Can we do that today? Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Taking the punishment for the sin that I committed. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my hope. I trust you today. I put my faith in you today. I give you my life. I give you my future. I let go of control. I trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says, not because of a certain set of words, but if we put our faith in Jesus, that our life starts new in him. And there's some today who've prayed that prayer, and man, there is something real that has taken place inside of you, and God wants to do, continue to do a work in you. Amen? Because the truth of the matter is, none of us are there yet. Right? The truth of the matter is, we're all still on this faith journey, God calling us to greater levels of faith and greater levels of love. So today, my prayer for us, for you, for each of us is this, that we would, that we would follow God's lead. See, he leads us out of the burning house, out of the burning room, but he also leads us back into the burning room of somebody else in the next door, doesn't he? He leads us to love in the places that are, are hard to love. He leads us, and so my prayer today is that we would, we would be refreshed back into the, the simplicity of what Paul challenges us, faith and love. Friends, I love being a part of a, a Christian, a church family together, Right? Oh, we don't have it perfect, right? We, <laughs> we have our fair share of flaws. But we're on this journey together, growing in faith and growing in love. Amen? Hey, we're going we're gonna to stand and we're going to worship together one last time. Would you, would you do that? We're going to sing this song together today. And, and here, here's the thing. I'm going I'm to invite our, our prayer team to come back up. And if, if today you would like to just, um, <clears throat> you would like to take, take a moment to, to, to respond to something God's speaking to your hearts, or if you raised a hand and say, I, 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 I'm, I'm trusting Jesus today and I want to tell somebody about it and, and I would love for them to pray with me today, then also would you come and find one of the members of our prayer team? Um, also, as always, if you just need to come and just find a place of prayer for yourself, if you want to come to the front, just kind of kneel at the front, you can do that uh, as well. But would you respond? Like, like any week, would you respond to what God is speaking to your heart today? God is changing lives, Amen? Amen. Amen.
and we don't want to get left behind. We want to continue where God is leading us. I'm so proud to be a part of the family of God here at Crossroads Church, aren't you? So let's respond, right? Well, God is speaking to us today.